0: Welcome to Trace Church, so glad to have you guys. My name is Corey. Um, I just want to extend a double blessing to all of my flannel friends out there, all right? I'm not sure if I can do that or not. Actually, I probably cannot do that, but if I was able to do that, I would give you a double blessing of whatever it is that fall offers us because flannel is awesome, all right? I've been waiting for this day to wear this shirt. Uh, I'm so glad you guys are here with us. Hopefully, you all are as charged up about fall seasons and cool weather as I am. If not, you need to check yourself because this is the best time of year. All right. Anyway, I wanted to let you guys know, uh, Aaron, uh, he mentioned this in his video, he's actually on a trip leading a group of people from this church down to Guatemala to our strategic partnership. It's our our partner community in Guatemala. An incredible trip that they're on right now. I just want to ask that you all would be praying for them while they're down there and the experiences that they're going to have and the ways that they're going to be able to bless that community. Uh, For those of you all that are not familiar with what we're doing for our nation's focus, uh, it's one of our main priorities here. We've got a nation station out there. Um, There are ways in which you can actually sponsor sponsor uh, these 109 kids from the community that are down there and actually be kind of a prayer partner and a financial support for them. If you'd like to know more about that, stop out there. Also, there are ways in which you're able to actually uh, go on these trips that we do down there. They're week-long trips. We've got four of them planned for the year. Next one's starting in February. If that's something that you're interested in doing, just stop out there and we'll give you some more information. On that, I also wanted to let you know, last week we talked about With, and we, we had this connection event for all of our neighboring groups, and, and we had an incredible response. We had 70 of you guys uh, jump into these groups and say that you're interested in being a part of those. That's awesome. Now, for those of you all that missed that last week, uh, we want to extend that opportunity to you as well. This is a great time for you to be able to get involved with other people from your community, from this church, in their homes, so that you can continue to grow. And so if you missed that, make sure you take an opportunity to go to Guest Services, and you can connect there. As Aaron mentioned, next week we're going to be doing uh, this new series called Stranger Things where we're going to be taking a look at kind of the spiritual. We're going to be looking at heaven and hell and angels and demons. And One of the things I'm really excited about this uh, is that there are people that are in your life that are, um, you know, neighbors of yours or co-workers of yours. They want nothing to do with the church, but they have all these spiritual inquiries. And this is going to be a great series to invite them to. So make sure you take an opportunity to invite your neighbors, relatives, friends. Uh, you know, bring them here next week. They're going to enjoy that. But before we get to next week, you all have to endure this week with me, all right? And so what we're going to do is we're going to be concluding this series called Four Letter Words, where we've been looking at hope and love and give and with. Today, we're going to be taking a look at the word Grow and hopefully come at it from a couple different angles so that you all can understand what Christ is calling us to when we talk about grow. Now, um, as we're diving into this day, what I want to do is I want to take you to the words of a guy. His name's Peter. Uh, some of you guys are really familiar with him. Some of you guys have no clue who this guy is. Uh, in history, we find that Peter uh, was one of the guys that stuck closest to, to Jesus. He hung around him, walked with him throughout his ministry. He was one of the guys that was most trusted in this inner circle. So he really knew Jesus. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at some of the words that he spoke in regards to growing today. So if you've got your Bibles, go and open them up, flip them on, turn them on to First Peter chapter 2, and we're going to read from there today. So here we go. Like newborn babies... Crave spiritual milk, pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted. That the Lord is good. What we're gonna do is we're gonna kinda dissect this today, but let's start there with the newborn babies. Guys, I'm very familiar with newborn babies because we have one housed in our house right now that belongs to us, that's keeping us up at all hours of the night, that's pooping and peeing, and I have to change his diapers. Okay, newborn babies are in my house. And so we're gonna talk about that a little bit. Before we get to that, I just I wanna take a quick time out. One of the things that we've been encouraging you guys to do during your response time, you'll hear this in a little bit too, we've got this 10,000 trace wall in the back. That is designed for you to be able to actually write down the traces of God's love that you are leaving on behalf of other people. That's our mission as a church. But i got to tell you, my family, myself, we we have felt the, the love that you guys have shown. You've left traces in our lives by, by the, the kind words and the prayers that you've been given uh, for us in the time of having a new baby. Some of you guys have brought us meals or given us some clothes, and we just want to thank you for doing that. matter of fact, I actually I wrote that trace on the wall because that was a trace that was given to me. So understand that those traces are not just ones that you're leaving, but ones that have been left on your life. The reason why we do that is so that we can inspire other people to be able to leave traces of God's love everywhere they go and in every context. And so thank you guys for being a trace in my life. Now, for those of y'all that have not yet met my newest addition to our family, her name is Kit Adalie. I got a picture of her because I'm a shamelessly proud father. Um, I have not only given you pictures, multiple pictures today that we're going to show you, I've also pretty much arranged an entire message around my newborn baby, okay? And so we're going to kind of walk... Through that, So here we go. Let's go back to the passage. Like newborn babies. That's what Peter starts off with. That's the, uh, the illustration that he's wanting to get us to grasp. Now, I've got to be honest with you, um, I, I've actually gotten this passage wrong. I've, I've interpreted it wrong uh, for, for years. And I think it's because uh, there's another guy named Paul, kind of a counterpart to, to Peter. He actually uses a similar illustration. He talks about uh, milk, but he uses it in a derogatory way. Some of you guys are familiar with that those passages, but it talks about like how like you shouldn't be a baby Christian anymore. Just getting milk, you need to get some meat as well. That's what that's what Paul talks about, and I've used that context to approach this verse. But but I, I, like I got to do this for you guys because I needed to do it for me. This is a totally different dude. All right, this is Peter, not Paul, talking, and, and he's given us a inc- completely different illustration. Okay, Peter is not referring only to baby Christians here. He's referring to everyone who has been born again. You see, being born again makes you a newborn baby. What he's doing is he's calling out everybody who's actually received the grace of Jesus Christ. And he's saying, Guys, I need something. I need to tell you something. Like a newborn baby, this is who I'm talking to. And so here's the deal some of you guys that are here right now or listening to this on, online, you're not there yet. You've not received the good news of Jesus. Maybe you've never heard it, or maybe you've just not taken that step. I get it. You are welcome to hear. Here's the deal. I'm going to give you a pass over the next several minutes as I talk to the people that Peter's actually talking to. Okay, I'm going to let you eavesdrop on this conversation for a little while. I promise I'm not going to forget you. We're going to come back and talk to you as well. All right, so what is what is it about newborn babies that Peter really wants us to connect with here? Because that's the illustration that he's using. Now, if I'm being honest, and I'm, I'm pretty close like, removed from this particular situation. If I'm being honest with you, um, babies are kind of gross when they first come out. And they're pretty useless, right? And I don't think that's what, like, Peter's trying to communicate to us as as Christians, be gross and useless. You know, like, that's not what he's trying to get at, right? I mean, they cry, they crap, they throw up on people, and they throw fits. Sounds like some of the Christians you guys might know, all right? We, we've all experienced this. I don't think that that's what Peter is trying to get us to understand from this illustration. So what is it? Now, something incredible happens. Something incredible happens um, when a baby first comes into the world that we oftentimes overlook. You see, even though the baby's been developing for, for over nine months most of the time, when it comes out of the womb, it's in a brand new environment. It breathes for its first time. It opens its eyes to light for this first time. It feels air on its skin for the first time. And for the very first time, it has a physical desire. You see, the very first desire born in a baby is that of hunger. You see, instinctively, even though it has never experienced this before, a baby knows that it needs milk, and it even knows where to find it and how to get it. And for those of you that are kids here in, in today, like, don't know how that thing's work, you need to talk to your parents later, okay? They'll explain that part. But it's truly incredible to watch. If you take a, a, a newborn baby, you put it on its mother's stomach, this, this little baby who has hardly any muscle tone or, or vision, that squirmy little human, finds its way to the source of milk. And it's the primary focus of this new life to get the nourishment that it needs, and it'll do whatever it takes to get it. Newborns have one sole instinctual objective, and that's to crave milk. Like newborn babies, crave spiritual milk. Milk. How many of you guys have been to, to crave real burgers? Anybody here? Anybody? Oh, yes. Oh, so good. This is going to be awesome for you guys right now because you all are probably already hungry. I want to show you a picture of my favorite burger right here. This, this right here is called the Three Little Pigs. All right? This thing has, like, more pig on it than you could ever hope to like consume in your lifetime. All right? And, uh, and it's incredible. All right? But that's not the type of craving we're talking about here. Even though I've made you all really hungry. All right? I want to give you some definition to crave. A Craving is A longing. For. Uh, it's a desire for, a yearning, a want, a wish, a hunger and thirst for, a signing for, a, a pining for. It's setting one's heart on a dream of, a bent for. My favorite, a hankering after. All right, Have you ever had a hankering after something? It might just be a Kentucky thing, all right? But, but we, uh, in Kentucky, we call cravings hankerings, all right? So uh, we have hankerings after things. All of us have them for things. Some of them are good things. Some of them are, are not so good things. Some of the things are odd. Those of you all that have been pregnant or had somebody that's been pregnant in your, in your life, like pregnant women crave weird foods. And they do, right? Uh, it, you know, if, you, if you're a junkie, you might crave your next hit. If you're a Broncos fan, you might crave a good quarterback. That's just <laughs> that's how it is right now. I get cravings all the time. Sometimes I, I, I crave a, a cold l on a, on a hot summer day. Or, or when I've been away from my kids for a while, I'll, I, I'll get a craving. I'll get this desire like, to, to, just to hug my kids when I get home. I can't wait to be able to experience that. I get, I get a craving to go play basketball on Saturday mornings or, or get outside on a, on a beautiful fall day when I've been cramped inside all day or for some ice cream at night pretty much every night. Um, I, I also I get a craving to have another baby when I see my wife wearing her pigtails and her overalls. Like, That's, that's how this last one happened. So, that might just be a Kentucky thing too. I don't know. Here's the deal. All of us have cravings. But cravings, even though they may differ... They all have one thing in common, okay? They compel you. They compel you to pursue them. They draw you toward something. They create in you a desire that you will go after until it's satiated, until it is quenched. What Peter's trying to do is communicate to us that we should have the same disposition as a newborn baby does after its mother's milk. We should have that same kind of disposition as we're pursuing Jesus as we want to look more like Him. That's what He is trying to communicate to us. We should hunger and thirst to become more like Him. We should crave what makes us grow in likeness. That brings us to the one thing today. One thing is this. The natural response to grace is growth. Now, there's some supernatural things that happen in this process, but, but, but you'll hear us talk a lot about natural responses here at Trace. Because this is the deal. We believe that when you truly start to grasp what grace looks like, if you've experienced it in your life, there are some things that should just naturally follow. And one of those things is that growth should actually take place in your life when you fully understand what grace is. Now, let me ask you, when was the last time you craved growing spiritually when was the when was the last time you desired to know Jesus better and to be better for Jesus now let's be honest like a lot of us showed up here today i'm so glad that you're here okay but just because you showed up that doesn't mean that you're hungry for that doesn't mean that you're craving or desiring and so i'm glad that you're here but there's a difference between just being here and checking the box and feeling good about ourselves and actually wanting what god has for us. You see, somewhere along the way, many of us have stopped craving that which actually makes us grow. We get stunted. Our, our cravings get curbed. And most of us don't even stop to ask the question, why? Why? Why is it that I don't hunger and thirst after God like I used to or maybe ever before? You see, when I was little, I was told not to drink coffee or it would stunt my growth. And obviously, I must have consumed too much, okay? Okay? Uh, now, we all know that that's not actually the case, but just imagine with me for a little bit that, that coffee actually stunts your growth, okay? What I would know at that point is that, that coffee is the thing that actually stands in the way of me becoming an NBA all-star, right? That's actually not the case either, all right? But it would stand in the way of my growth. Now, if I knew that, at least I would know what stands in the way, what's curbing my, my craving, what's stunting my growth. I would then have an opportunity to make a determination, do I want to give it up? Some of you guys are thinking, no way would I give up coffee. It doesn't matter what the consequences are. I need my coffee. Okay, here's the deal. I have to make that determination. In the same way, in the same way or a very similar way, we have things that stand in the gap between us. I want to spend a little time talking with you about maybe some of those things that curb our cravings. But even if I diagnose those for you, you're still going to figure out, is it worth pushing against? Is it worth fighting against? Is it worth pushing away? That's something you're going to have to determine. Let's, let's go to a few of these things. This is certainly not conclusive, uh, but these are just a few of the things that I think of in my own life that um, you know, most of us are like the rest of us. And so these th- might be things that are causing some stuntedness in your growth. One is distraction. Now, I really don't need to expand on this much because our world is full of distractions. As a matter of fact, some of you guys are distracted right now. And so just, just to help you out, I want you to elbow the person next to you just as hard as you want, okay? There you go. Very good. Thank you. Now you're focused on being hit by the person next to you and not me, okay? So here's the deal, okay? We, we have distractions all over the place. Hobbies, mountains, temptations, entertainment, kids, finances, relationships. I mean, pick your poison, right? There are a ton of things that potentially distract us. Let me take you back to the newborn baby for a moment, okay? Imagine with me, you've got this newborn baby who's on pursuit to get its mother's nourishment, right? And all of a sudden, as it's, as it's making its way, it catches out of the corner of its eye uh, the TV. And the TV causes it to turn its head, and all of a sudden it sees the premiere of This Is Us is on, like right now. And so it, it actually forgoes its feeding because it's captivated by this incredible show. Okay, now, just for the record, I love that show, all right? That's a ridiculous scenario, right? But it it happens more in our lives than what we might want to admit or acknowledge. Okay, You see, in in our own way, we do the same thing. Things that distract us are often not even bad. Like watching the show is not a bad thing, right? But what happens is, is when we get distracted, they divert our attention. They divert our desires. They divert our cravings. And so what actually might have even been a good thing in this proper context takes us away, pulls us apart from what is most important. And a good thing becomes a bad thing because it became a God thing. The French actually use this word distraction. The the word itself comes from this concept of of a torture uh, matter, matter of fact, it's a, it's a capital punishment. It's, it's a death sentence. The, the French, what they would do is they would actually take your arms, and they would tie a rope to you, and they would connect it to a horse, and they'd send those horses out in different directions. And, and the horses would literally pull you apart. They would distract you. You would die by distraction. Guys, it's impossible to grow when you're being pulled apart in so many different directions. Maybe distractions. Maybe there's a very specific one for you. Maybe that's what's keeping you from the cravings that you should be having. Maybe it's what's not your growth. Next area, this is, this is really kind of two things combined, but contentedness and comfort. they are really two sides of the same coin. One focuses more around a lack of motivation, the other one really a pursuit of pleasure. but re, regardless like that is an area that kind of stands in between us and our cravings. You see, we have a natural tendency as human beings to settle at some level. We reach a level that is no longer painful, and we're lulled into thinking it's enough. You see, when we're in pain, when we're in discomfort, we don't like to sit there. But somewhere along the way, we enter to a place where it's like, this is not as painful as I thought or what it was. And then we get lulled to sleep. And in our culture, we get content. We're so comfortable that we get to content with just surviving, getting by, or good enough. You see, our, our levels of comfort sedate us from the pursuit of excellence in a lot of areas never mind the spiritual realm and our growth in Christ. Some of you guys might need to fight back against contentment or, or comfortability to be able to pursue your cravings. For some of you, it's selfishness, and you're not going to like what I'm going to have to say, but, but if this is something that you have a conversation with yourself about. Maybe not like audibly, but it's the internal dialogue. It goes something like this. I'm good because I'm saved, so why do I need to grow in salvation? Why, why do I need to grow in salvation? You see, to pursue spiritual milk will involve a great deal of effort and sacrifice and responsibility. It means putting aside things that I enjoy and taking on the difficult. Many people have their cravings curbed because they don't want to grow up. Reminds me of an old jingle you all are probably familiar with. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid, right? They probably should have grown up because now they're out of business, all right? So should have listened to Peter here, okay? but we all fight this. Like, this is a real thing. Even if you're not a selfish person, we fight this mentality. And I can even even get to where like you might be thinking if this was just about you. But it's not just about you. It's not just about you. Some of you guys uh, literally are living in ignorance. That might be an area that actually is curbing your cravings because you may have never actually been shown or explained or modeled to that the Christian life should look any differently than what you're experiencing right now. I'm just telling you, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you experience the grace of Jesus, there should be a craving, a hunger, and a thirst that exists in you. And if you don't have that, examine the grace of Jesus a little bit more. Ask Him to search into your heart. Because here's what we know. If you lose your craving, then you will fail to grow. And if you fail to grow, if you're not growing, you're either... Just surviving, or you're dying. And I'm not sure which one is better or worse. You know, um, when we found out that we were having our fourth baby, uh, we identified her as uh, as bonus baby because we weren't expecting to have another child. Anybody else in the same boat as us got that wonderful blessing of having another child? Yeah? A few of you, okay? So uh, we thought we were done. God had other plans, and so we had bonus, bonus baby number four coming. This was Kit, and the whole time she was cooking the womb, we were monitoring her progress. See, my smoking hot, super young-looking wife was considered a geriatric pregnancy this time, which I think is hilarious. This is so fun. Uh, and so because of that, we got a few extra ultrasounds. And so like they were constantly monitoring the progress of this baby. We got to see her more often. They, they were measuring, you know, how big she was in the womb and the different uh, growth uh, charts and all that kind of stuff. And so we were guessing that she would be coming into the world somewhere in the middle of the pack of our family in terms of weight and size, okay? But uh, September 5th comes around and the doctor has her delivered. And I look at the doctor and I say, uh, hey, doc, what do you think? What what's she, what's she weigh? And he does one of these things. He's like, bouncing her up and down. Like, let me measure her real quick, right? So he does one of these things, and he, and he shouts back out. He says, 6'2". Uh, and sure enough, we look at the charts after we put her down, right on the money, like 6'2". He was dead on. This guy knows his stuff. And so now, this actually happens to be the smallest child that we've had in our Bullock family. Not alarming, not scary or anything like that, because uh, like, we're fairly small people in the first place. But uh, like she's healthy. Everything's coming out good. All the monitoring has been good. But unfortunately, we were having some difficulty over the first couple of days with the nursing process, because our baby Kit was tongue-tied. And when we went in a week later for our first doctor's appointment, we found out that Kit had dropped down to 5 pounds, 7 ounces. Now, it's normal to lose weight from birth. We get that, right? But healthy babies grow. They get bigger. And it's a scary thing to see your baby not growing, even if it's only a matter of ounces. So naturally, we gave greater attention to her feedings and changed some stuff up. And, and by her next appointment, she was up to six pounds, six ounces. She exceeded her, her uh, birth weight, right? And that was a really, really good thing because her growth signified that she was healthy. You guys get this. The reality is that if any of your kids all of a sudden stopped growing, it would be cause for serious concern, right? You would immediately seek help because not growing is a sign of unhealth, that something is wrong. We, we get this not only like with human life, but other things that we find to be important to us. You know, things go, like our retirement account, things we want to grow, employee uh, performances, social media followers, fantasy football rankings, like Healthy things grow, they get bigger, they get better, they improve. We will check those things, assess those things, monitor those things, and change things in order to make sure that those things that we care about are growing. So let me ask you this. Why don't we treat our spiritual life the same way? Why don't we evaluate and monitor and give attention to our spiritual growth, which, by the way, is an eternal thing and a whole heck of a lot more important than our bank accounts. That's, that's the reality we live in. You know, I I believe that one of the reasons is that I think that we misunderstand what it actually looks like to grow spiritually. Let's go back to to Peter's words. Like newborn babies crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. I want to talk to you about growing up in your salvation. I, I want to clarify something from the very beginning so we don't get shifted off in the wrong section. Okay, your spiritual growth is incredibly important but is not a requirement for your salvation. Rather, it's proof for your salvation, In other words, it's not what you do to be saved. It's, it's what you do and who you become because you are already saved. My growth is not contingent on my salvation, but it is an indication of it. John Piper says it this way, God is not done with his work when we first believe and are saved. No, he intends day by day to make us into what we already are in Christ. Spiritual growth is not optional or marginal in the Christian life. Every person that truly believes in Christ is increasingly transformed into his likeness. That's what this is all about. You see, once you've experienced the grace of God, you are increasingly transformed into his likeness. You become more and more like Jesus. That's what we're after. But, but we have kind of a weird way of being able to measure our growth. Matter of fact, there's a, there's a picture here. You guys have probably seen these. You might even have these in your home. Uh, this is like a, a growth chart, right? Uh, those of y'all that had kids or maybe growing up, uh, maybe you all did it on the side of the wall or maybe you had some kind of fancy chart like this. Uh, what this does is it, it, it measures in inches your kid's height over time so you can see where they're growing. You know, like if you have multiple kids, they're like, look, I was bigger than you when I was four and a half years old, you know? And so they use this as a measuring stick. We do the same thing in our own spiritual life to an extent, but what we do is, is our markers, I don't think, are actually representative of our growth. You see, the thing that we do is we start putting markers on this chart, and they typically surround things that we can control, but very rarely are those the very things that lead us to growth. You see, a lot of the markers that we put down here are things that we, we have that are like spiritual disciplines or spiritual trainings, things like, like reading your Bible or going to church or prayer and fasting. And guys, I'm here to tell you, like, those things are really, really good things. But you can read your Bible, you can go to church, and you can pray all the time and not actually grow in your salvation. Some of you guys know people like that. They're super spiritual, or at least they're religious, but they're not actually growing in their salvation. Those things don't actually save you, and they're not the measure of whether or not you're growing. They are good things and can contribute to your growth, but they don't determine whether or not you've grown. Let me give you an example. You might come to me and say, Hey, Corey, like, I read my Bible more this year than I did last year. And I would say, That is an incredible thing. But that doesn't measure whether or not you've actually grown. Let me ask you this. H- have you become more obedient to the teachings of Jesus? Like, Are you actually enacting those things in your life? Or have you shared the things that you've been learning that you've been reading? That would actually be a better measure of growth. Or maybe some of you guys are like, man, I've been going to church more regularly this year than I ever had before in the past. That's a great thing. Guys, we, we like church. Like, we like this gathering. We think it's an incredible thing. You should do it. But that in and of itself does not necessarily signify whether or not you've grown. The question I'd have to ask you is like, have you grown in witness? In other words, do people actually know you and do you know them? Are you involved And the everyday battles that they're struggling with, are you helping to bear other people's burdens to be with them? Because that would actually show whether or not you've grown in Christ's likeness this year. And so I think we need to redefine how we actually measure growth. Now, I'm not saying that these are the right ways to do it, but I think that we need to change the notches. We need to be asking some different questions. And so I'm going to share with you some questions that I've just been asking myself. And some of these things might relate to you and others of them might not. One of the things, the very first thing I've, I've figured out about this is it's not always about getting it right and being perfect. Sometimes it's just about getting better. Maybe you have an addiction and, and you've not conquered it yet and so you don't think that you've seen any growth. Guys, th- the fact that you're actually doing something about it, you're seeing it different or you're even aware, that might be a sign of growth for you. So let, let me ask you a couple of these questions that I've been asking myself. Maybe some of these resonate with you. Uh, am I more satisfied with what I have so that I can actually be a blessing to others. It, because you, you heard Patrick say, you heard Aaron say it a couple weeks ago, "The beginning of generosity is to give first, to save second, and to live on what's left. So am I actually thinking about giving first? Am, am I thinking that way or so I can be a blessing to others, or am I thinking about just like my stuff? Have I gotten any better at taking my thoughts captive, instead of letting my mind sit in bitterness or, or anger or temptation? Now, am I aware of the things that are actually coming into my head? and am I even trying? to make those things captive to Christ? Did I take my eyes off of myself and my problems long enough to be able to actually show up for somebody else in the midst of their tragedy and their chaos? For that matter, do I see people? Do I see people more than I used to? Do I pursue comfort and pleasure less? Am I more concerned with not doing what I want, but what's actually best for the kingdom? Do I care more about how I treated people today than whether or not I actually read my Bible? Do I think less about how close I can get to sinning and how much I want to stand on the promises of God? Am I getting better at pursuing both grace and truth in its fullness because I typically lean one way or the other? Do I depend on Jesus more now than I used to? Have I shared what I've learned rather than keeping it to myself? Am I growing in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, uh, For some of you guys, uh, th- those words right there are, are, are part of a bigger list that we call the fruits of the Spirit. You can find that in Galatians. And sometimes we just see them as a list. But, but that list itself is, t- they are what's considered the fruits of the Spirit. But what we're told is that the Spirit is literally the Spirit of Jesus. And so really simply, w- what it is, is these are character traits that Jesus has, that He possesses, that He wants to grow in you day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year to transform you into His likeness. The bottom line is this Do I look more like Jesus than I used to? Do I look any different today than I did a year ago? In 2018, have I moved in the direction of Jesus? Do I see Him more clearly? Am I more like Him in my interactions with others? You want to know the thing, the one thing, that does the most harm to all Christianity, Christendom, the purpose of Jesus, His movement. It's not scientific discovery. It's, it's not biblical critique. It's not compo- uh, opposing worldviews. The thing that does the most damage to the movement of Christ It's people who say that they follow Jesus but look nothing like him. Some of you guys know people like that. Some of you, if you're honestly assessing your life, you say, I'm probably that person. In a moment of transparency, sometimes I'm that person. I know, I know that there are moments in my life That if people saw what I was doing, or they interacted with me, or they saw how I treated my family, I'd be a bad representation. I'd be a misrepresentation of who Jesus is. Because I wasn't very loving, I wasn't very kind, I wasn't very patient. I got to tell you, there have been times in my life where I've looked back at previous markers in my life, and I realized man, I think I was more courageous then. I think I was more passionate then. I was more disciplined then. I was more empathetic. I might have looked more like Jesus then. See, But it's in those times that I don't need to be discouraged. What I do need to do, though, is I need to find out and ask the Lord to show me where the disconnect is. Where am I stunted and why? Why is my craving being curbed? Lord, show me what that is. Because this life and my spiritual pursuit of you, it matters more than just to me. It matters to everybody else in my sphere of influence because I'm actually representing you. One of the things that I've learned over the years is I've realized that my job in this whole thing is to crave the Spirit. The Spirit's job is actually to cause the work and the transformation in my life. See, my job is to pursue Jesus, to abide in Him, to crave Him. He's the one that actually causes transformation in my life. That's why the natural response to grace, really understanding it, really grasping it, is growth. Now, Some of you guys are here today, or maybe you're listening to this online, and, and you're just not there yet. I get it. You don't understand what grace is. Maybe it's never been explained to you. Maybe you've just never do, like, dove into this relationship with Jesus. Guys, I, I, I want to help you understand what Jesus has done for you. Because like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. And now, that you have tasted that the Lord is good. You see, it all starts with tasting that the Lord is good. And you might be wondering, what in the world does Jesus taste like? All right, like I don't understand this. I don't get this. I don't understand the illustration. Can I, can I share with you guys just for a moment the good news of Jesus? Maybe it's something you've heard a thousand times, but you need to hear it today. Maybe in a different way. Maybe you've never heard it before in your life today. I want you to hear it and understand it. I want you to be able to taste that the Lord is good. And here it is. There's God. He sought after you. He's come after you. He's chased you down just to let you know that he loves you. No matter what you've done in the past or what you'll do in the future, he wants you to know that there's nothing, no one, who can separate you from the love that he has demonstrated to you, except for you, you might be this, the, the block. That, you, you just have to get out of the way and let God be able to show you what he's done. See, he moved heaven and earth to demonstrate his love, that while you're still a sinner, right here in this moment, you are a sinner and Jesus still died for you. You didn't have to clean yourself off. You didn't have to get yourself perfect in order for him to do this. He did it already for you. He loves you. He cares about you. He's died on your behalf. And even though you didn't deserve it, and even though you didn't earn it, Jesus wants you to know that you are worth it. See, God doesn't want to punish you. He's pursued you so that you can be with him. That's what the, that's what the Lord tastes like. That's the good news of Jesus. And when we've heard about his sacrifice, and we've experienced his grace, and we've tasted maybe for the first time that he is good, it's then that we surrender our story to his. We accept this good news into our lives. We hand over our keys to him and say, you take over my life. I no longer live, but you live in me. And it's in that moment that we are born again. See, now that you tasted that the Lord is good, like new born babies. Crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Let's pray. Father, thank you um, for this conversation I get to share with these guys today because it's one that you've been having with me of late. And uh, Father, I know, I know that there are things that stand in the way that Curb my cravings for you, but Father, I'm asking you here and now and as I have been that you would, you would take away those things that keep me, that hinder me from pursuing you passionately. Father, I pray the same thing would go for those that are hearing this message right now, that you would not allow any distractions, any contentedness, any selfishness or ignorance to be able to stand in the way of our pursuit of you, And in the process, I pray that you'd cause a growth in us that would just be a cyclical effect. That would cause us to want to pursue you even more. We wouldn't be satisfied. Father, let us be a church. Let us be a gathering. Let us be a people who pursue you with all that we are. And because of our pursuit, we start to look more like you. And because we look more like you, other people are introduced to you. And they get to hear about your grace. And then your grace causes a growth in their life